You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and this is my conversation featuring Thomas Eklund, the principal architect of the outfit from Sweden, Trepanerings Ritualen. I was compelled to reach out to Thomas because I find the release, I think it's called Coinskult. Yeah, I think I said that right. I find it fascinating. It's unlike anything else you're ever likely to hear. So let's see what Thomas has to say. Here we go. I want to welcome you to the show. Um... I think I'm, I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, but I'll give it a go. Kainskult? Is that the name of your latest epic release? How did I go there with the pronunciation? <laughs> it's not that that far from the Swedish pronunciation. It's Kainskult in Swedish. Kainskult. Okay, gotcha there. All right. So I'm not sure as a release it falls under the banner of entertainment as much as it does a cathartic release for those seeking solace in the left-hand path. Now, that's my take on it. Pitchfork... Even went so far as to call your music gloomy, gothic atmosphere. Got so I start again, gloomy with <laughs> gothic atmospheres, with a heavy ritual ambient influence. And as an artist, your music overlooks humanity's sickness and instead concerns itself with matters of magic, religion, and the occult. Now that fascinated me. Actually, that was, that line there was what actually led me to, to really investigate your music further and want to have a chat to you. So it's, a, it's yeah. also a very detailed and broad description descriptor. So does it sound about right, though? Yeah, I mean it's not that far off. I certainly don't consider it entertainment in any any normal fashion. I mean, I suppose a lot of people who listen to it might see it as pure entertainment, and that's fine because I mean, that's up to them. But for me, it's much much bigger than that. It is a, a spiritual endeavor, and not so much. I mean, it's art, but art in the in the the original sense of art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like it's music that you, you have to do. It sounds like music that you have to create in order to survive in some way. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure that I would actually die from not doing it, but I am compelled to do it. It's mm-hmm. always been like that. When I've been, All my creativity has been more about, more about obsession and having to do something than actually wanting to do something. If I, if I, if I had the choice, I'd probably choose to not be creative at all because it's, it's usually quite painful. It's not enjoyment or anything. It's, yeah. it's just, it needs to be done. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely getting that vibe from it, that it doesn't look like as though you're having a lot of fun. It's just when I say, you know, you need to do this to survive. For, for psychological reasons, you have to have this release through this music. Yeah. I mean, my previous project, Dead Letters Spell Out Dead Words, was more more about me, I think, than TRP actually is, because TR, uh, Dead Letters was very much focused on, on me, and TRP, I just see myself as, like, being a part of the equation, I'm just like the vessel for something that's so much bigger and so much harder to grasp. And I mean, I don't, I, I don't have a complete grasp on what I'm actually doing or why I'm doing it or what the purpose is. It's just, it's just there, and I'm, I'm a, I suppose I am a willing participant because I could refuse to do it, but, but you know, someone, something else is calling the shots, so to say. So it sounds like you're channeling. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah, because that's certainly what 
I watched a video posted of Device Noisy, uh, the article. It was only posted a few days ago, actually, of one of your, yeah. live, uh, one of your live performances. And it actually gave me that vibe that you were certainly channeling something from another realm. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's entirely ritualistic. I'm, I'm aware, but not in control, I guess. I mean, I, d I don't disappear completely, but what you see on stage is like, I'm there, but that's not, that's not just me. Mm. It's, it's TRP and that's, that's something more. Yeah, fascinating. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you, I guess that for people listening that are into more, um, when I say mainstream metal, for metal and rock and pop, which is a more, um, obvious popular reference, you do remind yeah. me of a, of a cross between Alan Vega from the band Suicide. Now you probably know who Alan Vega is. Meets, of course, Eric Danielson uh, of Watain. Have you? Are you aware of either of those two artists? Yeah, of course. I listen to all sorts of music, so both both are honourable comparisons, I think. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm glad you think that because that's that's what I certainly probably less Eric Danielson and more Alan Vega. I've seen some early Alan Vega footage, and you actually remind me a lot of that. So yeah. Alan Vega's, of course, departed this mortal coil, but he was one of those artists that I would have loved to have interviewed, but never had the opportunity. I wasn't doing what I'm doing now then when he, before he passed away. But yeah. you, you're the first artist that's come along where I've gone, hang on, that's a lot like what Vega was trying to do. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my grasp on Vega is more, I mean, he seems to, seems to have been more about the physical world and what's, what's wrong with the physical world and focusing on like, quite mundane mundane ailments I guess but but still I, I never got the chance to see him live either but from what I what I've gathered it's been he was he was confrontational and he was certainly ecstatic in some some sense with what he was dealing with yeah, there are some fascinating stories that came um, out from the early scene there in New York where he used to scare the living shit out of fellow artists by bringing a bike chain on stage yeah. with him and smashing it onto the ground whilst um, Martin, was it, uh, what was his name, Martin Rev, is that right? He used to do the keyboards yeah. in the background. Um, yeah. And it was this, this and, and I guess that's where, I mean, I've only, haven't seen you in person, which I'd love to do. I've only seen that video there and a few other things that are posted online. But yeah. it's that menace that sense of menace that you bring to the stage that is similar to him, just to, just to bring the accurate comparison to light? I mean, yeah, I guess that's, that, that is certainly a way of, of explaining what, what my rituals feel like, I guess. I mean, I, I try to be, I think the purpose is to be as like, I don't like using the word confrontational because it sort of makes me think of Mer Marilyn Manson or something, but it's about uh, attacking people's senses in as many ways as possible, like olfactory and sonically and everything to make them as perceptible as possible that, to the that thing that comes from without. Like if you if you if you're if you lose all your if you if you can pull down your guards, you can experience TRP in a way that is far greater than if you're just standing there and looking at an idiot screaming. You know. 
do you, do you get a lot of people who come to your show and might catch up with you afterwards and say, well, I wasn't expecting that? Like, do, are people going knowing what they're going to watch when they go to your show? I mean, it depends. I have, I have the, I'm fortunate enough to be able to play in very many, many different contexts. And I mean, if I do the industrial circuit, people usually know what to expect. But when it's like the metal circuit, that has a tendency to be, there's always someone coming up after a show I've done with a metal band that says, yeah. like, I've never heard anything like this and I've never been uh, affected in any way of anything like, like this. So it does, it does happen quite a lot. Yeah, I, I dare say the average metalhead probably would struggle to understand your wonderful music, I think. Um, yeah, a, a lot, a lot of them do. I mean, I've noticed a tendency to that the the further into the ritual I get, the more people are actually starting to get into it because I mean, it's probably this thing that there's no guitars on stage, so they don't really know how to <laughs> how to grasp for it. For sure, and yeah. they sort of need to figure out if if it's okay to actually like it. And once they let go and <laughs> their guard comes down, they realize that. You don't need a, need a guitar to be heavy or profound or whatever. Well, you bring an incredibly intense performance. I actually don't think I've seen him in anything quite like you, and I'm so glad you brought up Marilyn Manson because I remember as a very young fellow when he, he came to Australia, um, watching him and being blown away just from a, a, a three a theatrical perspective. But, you know, when I look back, I mean, I couldn't go and watch Marilyn Manson now, to be honest with you. It would do nothing for me. Plus, I've never really gotten to his music. I don't think it's actually got a lot of substance, to be quite honest with you. Nothing against the man or his fans. I just can't really get into it in that way. But I did appreciate... Well, same, same for me. Yeah, well, you, you know exactly what I'm saying then. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fairly mainstreamy um, pop fair, really, that's designed to um, obtain a broader audience as, as possible, whereas your music is really going to connect with people that... Um, your music is, is interesting in that I don't know whether people actually will know what to look for when they're searching for your music, but when you stumble across it, you're like, hang on a sec, I've never heard another artist like this. This is something that I'm going to sort of force myself to keep listening to until I understand it. And that's what I've, that's what I've been doing. I've had, yeah. um, you know, I've had the album on quite a bit actually. And, um, I can't say that I, I have, um, there's no peak per se, you know, with a lot of albums, like you get to track three and it's a bit of a banger and you think, okay, here we go. That sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, I've I really listened. I actually listened to your music to go to sleep. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. No, that doesn't mean that the music puts me to sleep in the, in a bad way. <laughs> <laughs> I just find that I like getting into that meditative state because I find it very hard to meditate. It's a real bloody problem that I've got to be frank. But your music yeah. allows me to drift off very easily. No, that that brings me joy. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it does, mate, because it's it's good for it's really good for me. I mean, I've had I've, I play music in all sorts of applications in the car. I put music on all the time when I'm playing with the kids. I've got two daughters, age four and a half and um, almost three. Um, yeah. And I, I I haven't put your one on around them yet. I'm sure they they tell me to to shut up. To be honest, with you. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same as some of the black metal stuff that I put on around them, you know. But um, yeah, the, the, that's nothing against you, mate. Of course, it's just the listening habits and <laughs> behaviours of four, four and a half year old and a three year old. But um, but I I have found I love finding a place for music in my life, and that's where it's that's where your music is. Uh, in the same way, have you heard a um an artist from Germany? I'm sure, I'm sure, of course, you have. But Sopor Eternus. Yeah. Yeah. Her music does the same thing. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. I, very I, different. But I, similar. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that is more apparently meditative than what most of my stuff is. Yeah, it's, it's definitely her, st- her stuff. I'm sorry, I shouldn't even be referring to her as her. I don't think she refers to herself as, as her in that, in the classical sense. But, um, it's, um, the music that Sopor Eternus creates is definitely more, uh, rooted in traditional rock and pop music. Um, yeah. I was expecting it actually, to be quite frank, to be a lot more, um, extreme or alternative than what it actually is um, yeah yeah i mean if you if you just look at the way the, that band is portrayed in themselves their aesthetic and everything you would expect it to be something quite a lot harsher than it actually is yeah spot on yeah spot on well, that's that's certainly my take on it too so um so just about you again mate um You've become quite the favourite of Vice Media and Noisy, and they are rather hip in 2017. So, look, Shane Smith's outlets do encourage a rather influential... uh, They are rather influential over the minds of Generation Y and Z. So I I trawled their site, mate. They've written a few articles and stories about you, and for a media company that barely covers any rock, punk, metal or extreme music, (laughs) they've given you as much coverage as they do some of their usual hip-hop, pop and indie artists. Why, why yeah. do you think they've taken such a shine to you? I mean, there's obviously something in TRP that that speaks to people, and if you if you connect with it, I think people have a tendency to get obsessed by it. At least that's what I noticed by the people I'm in touch with. That once you actually get it, it becomes a very very big thing for you, which yes. sort of t- ties back to what I said before about it being something far greater than just me if it was just like a collection of songs that someone wrote to do a record and they probably wouldn't care and very few people would care but people people connect with it and understand that it is far bigger than than we can actually comprehend i think yeah and how do you find do you get offered a lot of tours yeah, I mean, I do 40, 50 shows a year, typically. Mm-hmm. And that's and, in Europe mainly, is it? Yeah, I mean, I've been to the US a couple of times as well, but obviously mostly it's Europe because, well, I'm here, so <laughs> it's easier. But Far easier and the, cheaper. <laughs> that's the other thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the, the offers are coming in from other places as well, so... It's only a matter of time until I cover the entire planet. Yeah, yeah, and and we here in Australia, mate. Has somebody reached out to you to offer you a tour down here? Um, not yet, but I have some contacts down there, so hopefully it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, it, I, it would be really nice to see Australia. Yeah, there's there's a lot of a lot of I want to say a lot. There's a fair few clubs in the big cities, so the port towns, Sydney and Melbourne, um, that I think yeah. go very very well in. I'm in Queensland, which is a cross between Hawaii and Arizona, just for a, a, a <laughs> logical point of reference for, for someone who hasn't been here. You know what I mean? We're, you're either near the beach, you're in the bloody outback in Australia, in, in Queensland. So um, yeah. we tend to get into, uh, well, the music here is either, I mean, you know, in the big city, it's, the, you know, all the usual stuff you get in big cities in Brisbane. But, um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a few clubs, I think, in, on the eastern seaboard, mate, in Sydney and Melbourne in particular, that I think you go down very well in, mate. And I think a lot of people would travel. From wherever they are yeah. in Australia to watch a performance from you, and and I take it too, mate. You 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 um you probably get offered a lot of you know the um 
not no, I'm not talking about like um, download festival, but you know those those smaller festivals, those festivals that are more niche market. Do you get offered a lot of them? Yeah, I do quite a bit of festivals. I've done. It's hard to remember what I've actually done, but yeah, there's usually five or six festivals a year, I would guess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And what about musicians? How do you source musicians? Is it? I mean, up until just recently, I did everything myself on Coins Cult. I decided that it was time to reach out to my friends, people I trust and people I know, understand the purpose of TRP to help out with things. Most of them are vocal contributions, but there's also some instrumental contributions on that one from people. And the plan plan is to expand the expand the project and actually have a have a live band as well for the future okay does that mean rearranging some of your music to accommodate traditional bass guitar drums format with obviously with the synth and all the rest of it or no it wouldn't be that traditional i'm i'm still pondering the ideas but it would be largely um, percussion based Okay. Because I think that's the that's the essence of a lot of the songs. I mean, there's there's bound to be some electronics as well, but the the essence is rhythmical, and I think you could pull it off with just two two guys on percussion and me vocalizing. Yeah, no, fair enough, mate. And um, I guess it kind of alludes to another question for you, mate. Is that um, what's been your biggest challenge as an artist? Do you think? <sighs> I guess it's an it's an ongoing challenge just accepting that I'm I'm part of something that I don't have control over something that's I mean up until like 10 years ago I would have said that I was a entirely unspiritual person I was very much under the impression that everything revolves around logic and since TRP entered my life, I've had to, I've been forced to realize that that's simply not the case. Rationality and logic has very little to do with what's really there. And just being able to accept that and being, allowing myself to be as irrational as I can be. And as that has been, I mean, that's the, that continues to be the biggest, the biggest hurdle. You need to, you need to sort of accept. We, we're all. I mean, we live in a modern world, and we're we're all taught to that certain things. We're taught that things are in a certain way, and if you perceive things di- different from that, then you sort of keep it to yourself. Yep. It's like this sort of consensus reality sort of thing. But once you once you realize that that's just one enormous lie, and you're you start letting go, and you your guard comes down, and you start experiencing things in a very different way. And it's cer- cer- certainly a quite terrifying experience, but it's yeah. also very rewarding once you <laughs> once you come to terms with it. Well, I think most people, like I mean, I I, I straddle. I, I got to tell you, I. I sometimes struggle with that balance because, you know, I, 
I got to participate in day-to-day life because I'm a father and I'm also a husband, okay? And up until six months ago, I had a bloody fairly very demanding job, I must say, at a company called Telstra, which was a telecommunications company here in Australia as an accountant executive working, you know, basically never not working, if you know what I'm saying. If if you're not working, you're thinking about working, and there's not a lot of room for anything else. But I've always had a connection to, let's just call it the cosmos. We'll just call it that. Whatever it might be, probably in a similar manner to yourself, always connected to something else to the point when, when my father passed away, I had exactly what Eckhart Tolle describes in his wonderful books uh, about an enlightenment. You know, yeah. I, I had this experience like I was totally at peace with everything, whatever it was, whatever was happening for about three weeks or so. Um, I just had this universal or uh, I'll use that word again, cosmic understanding that everything was as it should be, uh, even if it wasn't. Everything was as it should yeah. be. But then it bloody left me. It disappeared. And then yeah. I went back to being a mere mortal. <laughs> and it was a hell of a bump out, mate, I can tell you. It was, and he talks about, I don't know whether he does, but Esther in Esther Hickson, who uh, does the Vortex series, uh, talks about yeah. that a lot too. You know, When you're in, you're in, but when you get out, it can be a heck of a bump on your way out. And I remember feeling that bump on the way out. And, um, and that happened. He passed away. <coughs> he passed away six years ago, almost to the day. Uh, he passed away on Boxing yeah. Day. Six years ago. Um, now, that, that experience has changed me profoundly in my outlook on things. So even though I can't get... I, I mean, hopefully I'll get back in. I just don't know how to get back in, to be honest with you, because I think my father gave me that experience when he passed over. It was something that was given yeah. to me. Um, but having seen that and then having listened to your profound words as well, you know, it's... For the average person, it's very hard to sort of get out of credit card payments and mortgage payments and putting petrol in the bloody car and whether or not they're having too many calories in that day or not so that they can keep their size 34-inch waist or what have you. You know, so yeah. so I will ask you this. It's probably an unexpected question, but what words of advice have you got for people listening that, that you know, you're an artist in the true sense of the word. You're, you're creating cathartic music because you need to. So what, what yeah. advice have you got for people, mate, just to get the hell out of whatever rut they're in and just sort of focus on their creativity and just frankly being themselves? I mean, that, that's a hard, that's a hard thing to do, regardless of how you view the cosmos or how you view what's outside of it, because I mean, we're, we're flesh and blood as well. We're, we're sort of prisoners in our, in the physical world and those things, I mean, they they matter, and we get complacent, and we get used to having food on the table, and we get used to being warm and comfortable, and all those kinds of things. And it's it's hard to disconnect from your from the your physical experience of the of your physical experiences are there, and you cannot fully disconnect from them. I don't think that's even possible as long as you have a physical form. You're you have the <laughs> limitations and the problems and the aches and pains of yeah. having a body. But the only thing you can do is like for, force yourself into it, force yourself back, focus on just to focus on what's really out there and trying to understand it. And eventually you're going to get to the point where the, the physical world doesn't matter that much to you anymore. That, that's something I'm battling as well. I mean, I have a normal, mm. <laughs> normal existence on the side as well. It's there, but I mean, I try to consciously, consciously separate myself from it as much as possible, but it's hard. Yeah, you used a, I can't remember the, the precise phrase you used, but being human is 
we are definitely captive to this experience, aren't we? Like you can't. I was talking to a bloke at work actually just before I left, and and the job was was incredibly demanding, and he found the same way I did. And he said, "Do you think you could ever achieve a state of Zen doing this job?" And I think I said, "Well, I don't think you can ever really truly achieve a state of Zen." leading a life when you've got to do this job that we do. So it's about the whole thing. It's not just about the job. So it does take a concentrated effort, doesn't it? Like you're saying. Yeah. And you need to separate yourself. I mean, to, to come as close to experiencing the, those things that lie beyond the creative worlds, you need to separate yourself. You can't, you can't, you can't have with, you can't be part of modernity. Everything we do is like, it's so so unnatural i mean it's not natural to work even eight hours a day or Agreed. having Agreed. career Agreed. That demands 16 hours a day it's that's not what it's not what we're supposed to do we don't need all that we just need we need a little bit of food and we need a little bit of shelter for our bodies to function but i think isolation is necessary eventually yeah, isolation. And, and, and ultimately annihilation. You need to, you need to cease to exist as a physical being. And the whole cosmos means to cease to exist. Um, I'm quite convinced that the cosmos is not something that's supposed to exist. It's just a, it's a enormous mistake that needs to be corrected in some manner. It needs to cease to be. It's very interesting you say that because I have a similar theory, you see. I yeah. think it's all, well, I think it's all random and it's all just coincidence too. I don't think that really there is, you know, man's search for meaning through religion and, you know, man's search for meaning has resulted in religion and ideologies and all this other bullshit. But yeah. really when we look at it, we can't, we can't scientifically claim that there is a basis for anything for our existence. No. I'm talking about. We, we can't do that. So, Every you know that old saying everything happens for a reason. I'd love to know what it is in Swedish, but you hear that a lot with people when things aren't going their way in life. But you think, yeah, no, there isn't. <laughs> That's the beauty of it. <laughs> it's just random bullshit. Like I can I can appreciate the beauty in nature. There's no doubt about that. And I can appreciate the beauty in relationships and the way that I love my wife and my kids. But yeah, I don't have such an ego to realise that I'm the centre. I, I have I don't my ego deter, has determined for me that. Thankfully, it has actually that I'm not the center of anybody's universe. I'm just participating. That's all I'm yeah. doing. I'm just participating in this random event. But I am curious as to um, you say that it will be corrected. How, how, what do you mean when you say that? Like when I listen to creation, all I all I hear is a prolonged cry of agony. It's like everything that is that has taken physical manifestation is telling me that it's not supposed to be there. It's supposed to cease to be. It's like everything that has physical manifestation is nothing but agony. And we need to return to, I mean, it's like, it's, we're, we're using, using very human words here. We can, we can only relate to sure. this and yep. in, from this perspective, because <laughs> the other perspective lacks words, and how do you separate yourself from it when you're in the middle of this? But it's very hard. There's like point. very hard. Yeah, there's a there's a nothingness and nothingness that lies beyond what we experience that is 
the essence of what I'm, I think I'm striving towards is like this state of absolute nothing. Mm. But nothing, nothing is still something. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. That's the contradiction in it. Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. It's too, it, there's no such thing as a void, is there? No such thing. No. I mean, there, void is also something that we have come up with. It's like, it's a word for something, but it, there's nothing in the created world that is actually empty. Everything's like a vibration of energy and the energy is something. So we cannot fully grasp this sort of nothingness that I'm talking about. It's just not possible until not possible. you actually, yeah, until you actually cease to exist. Yeah, I, I actually understand your train of thought on that one big time because I've often tried. It's actually, I, I, maybe I can meditate, okay? Because sometimes I get to a point, I might be driving in the car, so I might be actually doing an activity. That's a trick with me. Do an activity and I might be able to bring my mind somewhere else, so detach my mind somewhere else without causing anybody any danger. You know, when I say I'm driving, I'm not sort of driving off the road <laughs> or anything like that. But I've often tried to comprehend nothingness as an entity, if you like, and I get to a point where my thoughts start folding in on themselves and I have to stop. Because it almost yeah. feels like I'm going down a crevice of which I might not come back from. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, it's, look, the few times that I've done psychedelics, I've sort of skirted around it as well. And yeah. um, I'm one of those people when I do psychedelics, I have very vivid experiences and they're, they've universally been very positive, I must say. They've been yeah. very, very positive experiences where I've been able to sort of get, um, you know, broader questions like what is time? So I'm not, not, not being superficial about it either, but just trying to understand why we as humans are so obsessed with time. So yeah. going, going on a journey to try to understand why time is such a binding construct to us in the human experience, going on a journey to sort of understand that a little bit more. I don't feel like as though I achieve any more answers than I do in that state than what I would say sober or not under the influence. But it's still a fascinating yeah. journey at the same time that sort of brings... I suppose it brings a sense of enlightenment, but to your point, there aren't really words that I can use to describe it. No, that's the thing. I mean, you get you get to a certain point where words cease to have any function whatsoever because it's then you're getting close to the the kernel of kernel of truth, I guess, when you can no longer explain what it is you're actually beginning to realize then you're getting close to nothingness and then you're getting close to release and freedom and returning to what is natural. So when, yeah, okay, so on that point there, when I had that transcendental experience and my father passed away, that three-week period, um, I made a point of looking up at the sky at night as often as I possibly could. So where I live, there's not a lot of light pollution, so I do see quite a lot of the stars. Nice. That's awesome. So I was able to see the Milky Way. We've got the Southern Cross down here, which is very bright in the sky. Um, yeah. But I didn't... It was funny, mate. It was it was bizarre. I felt like as though it was a... I don't want to say hologram, but I felt as though it wasn't as deep as what I would have hoped it was. It was almost like... I definitely felt that sense that I was looking into the past. You know how the light takes millions of light years to, to reach us from all these galaxies and constellations and, and therefore the stars to reach us yeah. here. So you're, you're actually looking at things that by and large aren't there. And I think that's what yeah. I think that's what I was struck with. Yeah, well, that's but it still becomes very much an intellectual sort of exercise because I mean, the the that kind of perspective we're not we're not designed to to grasp that we're not. <laughs> I mean, we're yeah. we're designed to grasp the size of a tree and 
we're designed to grasp the the passage of time in hundreds of years maybe but now we're talking what is it 14.5 billion years or whatever it's like it's just a number it doesn't mean anything to us on any level it's just an intellectual exercise yeah and that's probably i mean it becomes very hard to grasp it's it becomes so like staring into the sky and staring at the stars it just becomes like a it's a black canvas with dots of lights on it 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 can never mean anything more to us than that that's mm. just what it is so we're really meant to we're not really meant to uh, here's another thing that i think and i'll ask for your opinion on this um i i think we're meant to experience everything that's right in front of us here i think that's the whole point of this dimension if you want to call it that our time here on earth you know our 60 to 80 years or so that we're here i think yeah. that in order to be a um well i don't like to use the word spiritual being because it does it sound so superficial but in order to fully grasp what's going on in life you're just meant to participate that's it you know what i mean if you're sitting on the sidelines and just sort of wanting to lead a safe life you know a life yeah. free of risk that's not it the life when you're doing something like your good self of course i'll use you as, a, as an example doing something like you which is really challenging and really giving people pause for thought um that's actually what life's all about and i don't think you can be any more spiritual on that that's that's and 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 my underlining point there would be mining your own creativity that's it that's it right there in a sentence yeah that's how i feel about that it anyway yeah I think that makes sense and it has to be it has to be quote unquote dangerous it is dangerous to face these kinds of things because because that's another thing we're not designed to I mean our our experiences as as human beings as primates is not designed to confront these things but we still when we still do it we we probably eventually go insane there's a very large chance of reaching absolute madness and yes once you're once you're mad you're you, you no longer have any grasp of what's of danger or fear or anything so attaining that level of madness is probably a a positive thing it's something that that's fruitful to the endeavor of ceasing to be a, basically a monkey because we're all yes. just monkeys with clothes You've taken the words out of my mouth there, mate. I say that a lot. We're just advanced primates. It's all we've ever been. We all, we think we're different, but our social constructs tell me that we're no bloody different, you know? Um, no, I mean, we we have a slightly higher higher degree of being able to, or, or ability of abstract thought that other animals may, may or may not lack, but I think that humans has a tendency to hold themselves in way too high esteem. Agreed. Because we're 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 a bunch of electronic impulses, and pretty much everything we do is guided by 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 chemistry, more or less. We we need we need to find sustenance. We need to procreate, and we need to maintain the integrity of our body as long as possible. I'm not sure that's actually a positive thing. It would be easier if we could just ignore all those impulses and just. Cease to have physical form, but most most people are unwilling to make that journey. So I guess we're stuck here. Well, I I think that what they're trying to do is they're trying to do the journey through technology. What you just mentioned about electronic impulses and the like, um, 
they're trying to do it through things like artificial intelligence, you know, like the, the fourth dimension where they're entering into, um, uh, you know, those glasses that people put on these days when they're on their Android phones and they can walk around uh, in this virtual reality environment. You know, when we were kids, you know, in the 80s and 90s where that stuff was mooted, well, it's here right now. But I think yeah. that stuff takes the thinking away from the individual. And, and I totally understand your point. It's not about thinking. You know, it's about removing no. the thought, you know, but these people are thinking that I can immerse myself in this experience which has been gifted to me. And I think one of the points that you're trying to make, now correct me if I'm wrong, is that you've actually got to work for the experience, but you've just not got to work through, for it through thinking. It's You've got to work for it through another another methodology. Yeah. You need to, I guess you need to punish your flesh. That's, I guess that sounds sort of Christian, like the mortification of flesh, but there's... Some, some sort of, some sort of logic in that. You need to, like, what, once you stop, stop caring about your physical well-being, you can focus on your, focus on understanding what's around you in a way that you can't as long as you're, as long as you're feeling comfortable and as long as you're entertained and as long as you get all these, this constant simulation of entertainment yeah looking on your iphone for facebook likes and twitter retweets and all that sort of bullshit you know yeah. listening to a very fascinating do you know a, a um a bloke called joe rogan he has a podcast series no he has a very fascinating podcast series and he interviews anybody and everybody you can pro- probably think of um you know there he's interviewed um like he interviews uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, interviews uh, people uh, with, with all sorts of um, understanding of deep sciences and the like. And yeah. these podcast episodes go on for sometimes two and three hours. Um, yeah. And he deep dives into deep dives into, in, into anything uh, and everything you can probably think of. But the thing that he was talking about today with a guy called Brett Weinstein was um, how... Um, the people who write, so in Silicon Valley, the people that are writing the um, algorithms in Twitter and Facebook, Facebook more specifically, it's entirely designed to appeal to the human response to serotonin uptake. Yeah. Okay. So they know that when they when they encourage you to go onto Facebook, it's something that's going to be appealing to something which is very, it's almost part of, would you call it reptilian brain? Maybe I'm not technical enough to understand that side of things, but it's something that at a level, at a, to an extent, you're no longer in control of when you participate in using Facebook, for example. And these yeah. assholes, excuse my language, know that. And, and mate, you've got... T- how, how many Facebook users are there? A billion or something? I think there's over yeah, a billion. Yeah, something like that. So you've got basically a, a high percentage of these Facebook users, so a high percentage of somewhere over a billion people that are walking around that are no longer effectively in control of their own impulses because of these algorithms that are being written by people who have a deeper understanding of it than the average person. You know, yeah. I mean, where do we go to from, from here as a, as a species if we can be controlled? Well, some of us can be controlled that easily. <laughs> <laughs> I think mo- mo- most of us can be controlled in that way. Even if you're aware of these things, it's very hard to... It's very hard to go against your... Your, the chemical impulses your brain gives you, it's there, and it's uh, and it's there to reward you when you do, when you. I mean, there's a, re- a reason sugar makes people happy. It's because it triggers serotonin r- responses, mm. and you just want more of it. And 
it didn't used to be accessible, but now it is accessible. So we get fat and then we crave even more of it because it becomes like a drug. The serotonin is a drug that, that we crave. So any way we can get it, that's a good thing. And that's why something like Facebook works, even on, even on people who know they are being duped. It still works. They still go for it. Yeah, it's like in um, you talk about sugar. Actually, it's a really good point. Probably the same in Sweden, but here in Australia, in um, areas that are typically known, known as so lower low socioeconomic areas, so areas that have a high um, dependency on the government, they have a lot of yeah. fast food outlets in these places, which of course are stocked full of sugar. Yeah, um, it's just it's bullshit. It's just madness. When these people are the ones that should be eating their kale and. You know, doing things to get themselves motivated to, I don't know how else to describe it, but probably get out of the position that they're in. And I'm not being judgmental there. I'm just saying that, you know, if I was in that position, that's what I'd do. So I certainly wouldn't eat fast food. I'd be looking more toward that. But then I suppose I'm more inclined to be motivated to, to improve myself in that regard. Um, but yeah, I mean, sugar's, sugar was really the first example that we had globally. I mean, you look at the, um, you know, I don't want to be insensitive about this topic here, but um, slavery in the U.S. I mean, a lot of that cash crop was sugar that they were exporting yeah. to Europe, and that needed they they, you know, you know what happened with slavery. You're an educated bloke, as a lot of the people, most of the people that will be listening, so I don't need to talk about that too much. But sugar yeah. has been responsible for so much destruction. Yeah, yeah, it has. You know, so but we still do it to your point, mate. Because even though we know it's bad for us, we still do it because we want that little fifteen second hit. Yeah, humanity, don't we? You know, so yeah, it's like like heroin or whatever. It's just not as debilitating, at least not as fast. Not as fast, yeah, over a much longer period of time. So, here's a good question for you, actually, and I've never asked anybody this question on the on the radio show or the podcast. Okay, so my own view is that I think humanity is doomed in the next at least max. I think we've got is 500 years. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Things are certainly going to change. We're in for a hell of a ride, even in the in the near future. But I think, I mean, the on, the only way for for the, I mean, the Earth may cease to exist, and we may cease to exist, humans as we know it. But creation won't cease to exist until everybody has entirely let go of the <laughs> of the circle of rebirth. It's like the the physical world can only cease to exist when everybody is has finally realized that it needs to cease to exist. Our our souls have a tendency to cling to the material world, and that's why why it hasn't ended yet because we're trapped in it and we're we have a very hard time realizing it. And once we're realizing it, then maybe maybe we can let go of it. But I mean, if, if the earth ceases to exist, I don't, I don't think that has any, <laughs> any <clears throat> relevance in the bigger scheme of things. No. I mean, the, so no the cosmos consequence is, is it at all? No, the cosmos mm. is vast, and there are many, many beings that are struggling with the same sort of problems we are struggling with. And they also need to realize that. But eventually everything is bound to return to that natural state I mentioned before of nothingness. Yes, okay, so it's just a question of time. Well, okay, there I go again. It's still a human <laughs> construct, but it is only really a question of time. But I, 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 mean, I do fear for the world that I'm bringing my daughters up in. 
You know? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I have to. I mean, it's, I'm a, I like to consider myself a, a dutiful parent, you know what I mean, and a mentor to the girls, you know. Um, yeah. It's... Um, it's made it's tough. We know we're so aware of all of the many ills and ailments that humanity suffers um, yeah. through, and especially in countries. I mean, Sweden and Australia in particular. I think Norway, Sweden, Australia, New Zealand, and I think Canada's fallen behind a little bit. But those four countries that I mentioned are the way are held up as having the highest quality of life in the world. Denmark as well. Sorry, that's the fifth. Uh, yeah. Denmark, Sweden, Norway, New Zealand, Australia are held up as having the highest quality of life, mate. So. Mate, there's a lot of people that are trying to come to these countries these days, as you, as you no doubt well know in Sweden. You know, you're a lot closer yeah. to what's going on, the action per se, than what we hear yeah. here in Australia. You know. Yeah. Um, well, Sweden, Sweden is falling quickly. The quality of life is falling quickly, and things are changing considerably. I mean, it's certainly a very different place from just like ten years ago, and it really isn't a. It's not not a it's not a pleasant place, but I don't think any place is a pleasant place. Well, you just I need to find. I think people like you and I'll eventually end up in rural areas. That's what I think. I'll end up moving up to North Queensland, and no doubt you'll end up moving somewhere further north. Because I think life. I, w- big I certainly ent- entertain that thought quite a lot because I don't really enjoy being around people. Well, look, I can only go by what I read, okay? So a lot of what's happening um, in Malmo is what's happening in Melbourne, in Australia, yeah. here as well. And, um, mate, it's, you know, that, that's where I say I've got genuine fears because we can no longer say a lot of these things that were no longer part of our uh, your Swedish society or Australian society. They're not that far away. They're actually very near these days. Yeah. And, um, you know, in Sydney and Melbourne, they have to put up, and they have to do it in Brisbane as well, mate, but they have to put up big bollards in public places so their cars can't get through. Yeah, we're doing that here as well. You know, it's an ex- for me, you know, my thoughts on it, it's almost excusing the behaviour really, isn't it? Well, and I know they've got to do it. I appreciate that. <laughs> what else is actually being done to prevent these things from happening in the first place? So, for example... Why does it need to get to a point where we have to put up bollards to stop people from... And Berlin as well, of course, and the, the, the infamous examples there. Um, why do we need to get to a point where we have to do that to protect people at times like Christmas? Well, I, th- I think that sort, of, that sort of conflict is built into just existing as, as humans. We're, uh, I mean, like any other species, we're bound to... We're bound to xenophobia and we're bound to hating each other and we're bound to hurting each other over various things. I mean, a hundred thousand years ago, it was just you and your family against all the other families. And now we're just this collective mass, which is entirely unnatural and conflict is conflict is about is bound to reach boiling point when you shove all these people into very confined spaces. We're not, we're not supposed to live like this. I mean, it's not, it's not a, not a natural way to exist. Yeah. It's like that thing you, that you that they say that you can't have meaning, meaningful connections with more than 150 people. Um, I mean, I'm around more than 150 people when I go to work every day, and I don't care about them. I, I mean, they they they're <laughs> they're a, they're a pe- pest pest to my well-being at the moment but i mean i don't i don't feel any connection i don't feel any 
I don't, I don't have any um, responsibilities towards them. I don't care if they live or die. That's not my my problem or interest or anything. I care about the people that. Well, I care about my tribe, and I have the, I have the. I mean, we we all, in a sense, these days have the luxury of being able to choose our own tribes, which wasn't the case not even a hundred years ago. You were born in your village, and those were the people that were your tribe, whether you wanted it or not, and yes. you had to deal with it. But now, like with the communication and everything, my tribe is not in one place. It's <laughs> they're all over the world. They are indeed, mate. Yeah, no, that's um. Yeah, look, it's, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, and for me, I wouldn't say, I wasn't so, I wasn't, I've never been self-centered, but I wasn't so, um, aloof of the rest of the world that, um, it wasn't until the birth of my daughters that I started thinking about these things, but there is a, they come at a very sharp contrast when you have yeah. kids, I can tell you, mate, you start thinking about it and thinking, look, I'm 39, I'm probably only going to be around for another 20 or 30 odd years or so, particularly with my yeah. fucking, my fucking health. I've got something called severe ulcerative colitis. Um, yeah. which I have to be very careful of, but you know, I still drink and I don't smoke or anything like that, but, um, I've really got to lead a life like a bloody high performance athlete if I want to survive and lead a quality life. And of course I don't because I couldn't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> I know the feeling. You know what I mean? Like I don't, to your point, I don't, if I didn't have kids, mate, I don't think I'd care. Truth be told, not now, not with my awareness of the world. I think I'd just be totally at ease with the chaos and just do wake up and do whatever I want. But I'm actually really grateful that I'm a parent, you know, that I, I don't regret it in any way, shape or form because, um, you do see a lot of yourself and your kids. I've got to say, you know, you do see yeah. a lot of yourself. It gives you, look, it, it mate, I've got to tell you, it'd be heartening for me if somebody like you had children <laughs> because you know, you know why? Because you, you're a decent human being and you get it. Okay. And a lot of the blind are having children, okay? They're populating at a rate of goddamn knots. And that's what I think is going to bring us down more than anything else, okay? Is that aloofness yeah. and that self centeredness and the like, and self centered people having self centered children. People like you and uh, I. There's, you know. there's this, uh, a lot of genet geneticists are saying that every, every generation is getting dumber because the dumber the person is, the higher the number of offspring they usually have. The smarter you are, the less kids you have. Yeah, there's a lot of truth in that. I, I mean, I, anecdotally, I can sense that, you know, uh, whether or not it's been scientifically proven or otherwise, I reckon that's exactly how it is, mate. I mean, with the way the world is, just from a financial perspective, it isn't financially viable to have more than... Well, I don't think it's financially viable to have more than three kids in any situation anywhere in the world. You know that? No. Um, you know, I mean, God bless my brother and his family. He's got four. I don't know how he manages it, but, um, jeez. Oh, it's, jeez. I mean, it's <laughs> got to change the car. I got to do different things. He's married well. So his wife does, you know, is, is a wonderful mother, as is my wife to my kids. You know what I mean? But we've got the two, mate. But I had a vasectomy the other day because there's no fucking way I'm having any more than two. I can tell you that now. <laughs> I'm happy with my. I, I, I'm never going to go even that far. You know, it's, it's a shame, mate, in my view, as I said. I mean, that's only my opinion, of course, mate. I'm not encouraging you, but I mean, it'd be people like you, mate, having kids, mate, you know, that's what gives me hope is what I was, my point before was, is people like us having kids, there is that glimmer, you know, there's that glimmer <laughs> of hope, mate, that it won't end up in the shit that I think we're headed down to and, um, or there might be some utopia somewhere after, uh, underneath all of the dung heap, 
you know, where 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 there is a fully realized version of humanity, as I think, you know, the highest aspect of us all intends. You know, and it's not just a shit fight where we're drinking Pepsi whilst fucking going onto Facebook and liking some bullshit post about Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think. Well, I'm I'm not in agreement there. I think I think I mean there there is no utopia in, a, in the created world because, like I said, we're not supposed to be here. This is not supposed to be. There's there can be nothing but suffering in the physical world everything is decaying and that's built into the the fabric of of the cosmos everything just goes downhill it gets worse and worse and worse there's nothing but suffering what about the concept of rebirth though so constellations die and there are new ones that are appearing all the time so there's got to be some yeah. sort of force there that's doing that don't, don't you think there's got to be whether you want to call it a, you know this is where humanities we've done a really piss poor job at doing it by explaining it away as religion through religion but there's got to be some force that is equal to that word love okay because otherwise everything would just fall apart straight away wouldn't it and there'd just be nothing but literally nothing I think it's a twofold thing is that that sense of self-preservation that's built into our genes, into the, the way our brains work and the brains of everything living work. It's a sense of self-preservation. And I don't know why that is there, but it is there. But, and the other thing is that once you start letting go of that, for every, every cycle you go through, you get a little bit closer to being able to let go of that. And once you let go of that, then you, once everything lets go of that, then we can return to a natural state of unbeing and finally be rid of, of the physical world. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to leave them as the final thoughts for the listener to ponder. I will ask you <sighs> one last question. Yeah. People, people want to reach out to you, get in touch with you, and get into your wonderful music, mate. How do they do that? Uh, they can use those wonderful things we've been talking about before, like Facebook <laughs> and the Internet. Oh, bound to it. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. that's coming. I just thought <laughs> Yeah. Okay, so you're pretty easy to find on Facebook. I know that. And, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, so, um, I do encourage any listener out there to, to give the music an opportunity. It is very much a, an experience that you want to put some headphones on for. Um, and if you don't do that the way that I get into, uh, particularly the latest release, um, uh, I'm going to try not to mispronounce it again. Kainskult? Kainskult. Kainskult, I'm sorry. <laughs> is by putting it beside my bed and just using the iPhone speaker, I just let it play out until I fall asleep. And every time I have fallen asleep before the end of the uh, the album's uh, the album's conclusion, anyway. So, uh, mate, I've really enjoyed this, Thomas. It's been um, a wonderful discussion. I haven't gone this deep with anybody previously, and I'm just glad I had the opportunity to do it with you. It's been rewarding. Thank you. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay Smith, and that was my. Very fascinating conversation with a fellow called Thomas Eckland, who is a principal architect of the outfit Trepanerings Ritualin. Thanks so much for listening.